The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... New fashions march into a store near you, and ACB goes to Washington. Welcome to ACB Reports for March 2008. In mid-February, 85 representatives of state and special interest affiliates of the American Council of the Blind attended the annual President's Meeting in Washington, D.C. ACB President Mitch Pomerantz opened the meeting with these comments. Good morning and welcome to everyone who is attending the ACB President's Meeting. It is a real honor to uh, stand before you this morning and to welcome the folks that we on the Board of Directors consider to be the leaders of the American Council of the Blind. There are more than just the 16 of us on the board. There are all of you who are either presidents of your state affiliates or on the Board of Directors of your state affiliates or are otherwise involved in the organization. So it is wonderful to have everyone here. I'm told we have about 85, which I think is great attendance. When I became president in July, I felt that my top priority had to be the inclusion of the members of ACB into the ACB family. I, I think we had a disconnect for a while. Folks didn't feel really that they were taken into consideration or cared about. And I certainly heard enough of that from affiliate leaders. And so I have worked hard since last July to turn that around. It doesn't get changed overnight. But I'm feeling a much more positive energy from the leadership and from the rank-and-file members of ACB in the last uh, seven months or so. One of the vehicles that I pointed to and, and looked at as an opportunity to reconnect with the membership, and again, especially those of you who are leaders either nationally or on the state level or on the local level for that matter, was this president's meeting. I believe there are two reasons for this meeting. And if you've already had the chance to look at the agenda, you'll see what I've tried to do with input from the board of directors and with input from you. The first thing that I wanted to do was to reacquaint the membership with what ACB does what our committees do, what our national office does, the role of the Board of Publications. You know, I'm still active on the local level. I go to our local chapter meeting every month, or at least as often as I can when I'm not traveling on ACB business. And there is a real lack of information on the local level about ACB. And part of that is the nature of ACB. We are a grassroots organization with the emphasis on the state affiliates and the special interest affiliates. 
We're a bottoms-up organization, but that doesn't mean that our members should be ignorant of what goes on nationally. So the first purpose for this president's meeting is to begin to reacquaint you with the various committees and activities that take place nationally. And the second purpose is to exchange information between and among the state and special interest affiliate leaders. And we have several panels that will give you the opportunity to hear from affiliate presidents to learn some of the things that they're doing in terms of fundraising, membership development, in terms of effective communication so that perhaps you will take away one new idea to try with your affiliate. So those were the two primary purposes for this president's meeting and it is my hope that for as long as uh, you re-elect me, that I will be able, again with the involvement of the Board of Directors and those of you who choose to provide it, with input for future President's meetings so that the meetings every year are relevant to you. There are a lot of state affiliates that are not here, and that's a shame. And so what I'm hoping is that the word will spread. While we're not streaming the program this weekend, it is being recorded by Marlena Lieberg, and it will be up on the website shortly. And I want the word to spread to every affiliate leader who isn't here that, hey, this is a meeting worth coming to. It's worth our while to show up next year. Tomorrow morning you will have the opportunity as well to talk to those of us who are the officers. It's kind of an extension of my office hours that we've done now since July. And I hope that at every president's meeting, again, for as long as I'm permitted to be your president, you will have an opportunity to interact with us and ask us the questions that you need to have answered to take back to your state affiliates and special interest affiliates. The next day, a standing room only crowd of ACB members attended the legislative seminar. Here again is ACB President Mitch Pomerantz. I want to welcome everyone to the 2008 Legislative Seminar for ACB. I'm something of a political junkie. I remember following elections when I was four or five years old, when I was supposed to be asleep. I'd listen through the crack in the door. I said, oh, how cool. They're counting votes. They're counting something. It sounds really exciting. And uh, having been a political science major in college, I guess that I had to get the academic side of it. My bias in this organization is that the most important thing that I believe we do is to advocate on behalf of blind and visually impaired people. We provide support and we do a lot of other things to help our brothers and sisters but first and foremost, we are advocates, and we are consumer advocates. And it is my considered opinion, given the direction taken by the National Federation of the Blind in the last few years, that we're the only consumer advocacy organization. 
And that provides us with a tremendous opportunity, but also a major responsibility, because we're advocating for the tens of thousands of blind men and women and children who don't know much about this organization, who may be new to blindness, who don't understand what their rights are, and who need a strong voice to advocate. We know that not every blind and visually impaired person is going to have the opportunity to go through a rehabilitation program or get a quality education or get the kinds of services he or she needs without an awful lot of help from us. And therefore, advocacy to me is our major activity. It's not the only one, but in my mind, it's our major role or major function. And those of you who are here obviously have a similar point of view because you're here to go up to Capitol Hill on Tuesday and let the legislators know that we exist. The Federation was just up here a couple of weeks ago. And let me give you my stock answer when someone says to you, well, we just talked to the blind organization and we know what they stand for. And, oh, why can't you all have one point of view? And my stock answer is, we will when the Democrats and Republicans all share the same point of view on issues. They do tend to get it once you tell them that. I am informed that we are currently in a standing room only situation. More chairs are coming. That's a good thing, folks. What an incredible turnout we have for the legislative seminar. Next month, ACB Reports will bring you the legislative update, which was presented to the group by Advocacy and Governmental Affairs Director Eric Bridges. Hello, I'm Art Hadley from the International Association of Audio Information Services, IAAIS for short. Your local reading service is partnering with IAAIS and National Public Radio in an exciting three-year project to research and develop a personalized audio information service. This service will be designed so blind and low vision people can listen to their choice of reading service programming at their convenience rather than at a time dictated by the station. But we need your help. Please support your reading service by participating in a survey about your experience with radios, TVs, computers, and other such technologies. To sign up, call survey coordinator Daniel Schwab at one 800 329-4274 or email dschwab at npr.org That's d-s-c-h-w-a-b at npr.org and give your name, telephone, and or email address city and state. Again, that's Daniel Schwab at 1-800-329-4274 or dschwab at npr.org Thanks for your help. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. Make your plans to attend the 47th Annual Convention of the American Council of the Blind. This information-packed event will be held from July 5th through the 12th, 2008 at the Gault House Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky. 
Daily room rates are $85 for singles or doubles for rooms on the west side of the hotel and $105 for single or double suites on the east side of the hotel. Local taxes will apply. Reserve your room for this year's ACB National Convention by calling the Galt House Hotel at 502-589-5200. Additional convention information is available from www.acb.org. As March roars in, new spring and summer fashions are rolling into your favorite clothing shops. Lynn Cooper begins our look at this new apparel with what's new for men this season. Well, Mike, I'm happy to be offering our listeners the fashion trends update. Now, we're going to start with men because men in the past have uh, less changes to be concerned with and probably less attention overall to fashion and this season, as we go into spring and summer, we are seeing a real return to the 1950s and 60s. It's been sort of inching its way there over the past seasons, but it's almost to a comical point. If you think the Beatles, Herman's Hermits, the boy groups of the 1960s, they, strangely enough, wore suits, which, you know, as wild and woolly as they were at the time, There they were in their skinny neckties and their slim, short jacket suits with their narrow slacks to the ankle. And I'll be darned if that's not coming back. The catwalk that you hear me talk about, Mike, that is the same as when we refer to a runway. And we're not talking about an airplane runway. We're talking about a runway, which is the stage of a fashion show. So when the designer wants to put on their theatrical fashion show for the buyers, for department stores and all, that is done on a runway or otherwise known as a catwalk. Um, The overall look is that 1960s exaggerated, very sleek, narrow, and truly costumey. And once again, it's sort of my disclaimer, and our listeners have heard it before, This is the theatrical look sent out by the designers. It's usually modified as it comes into the stores for real consumption by real people. And then we have to, as shoppers, make sure that we grab the pieces that work for us. And we don't always want to be so fashion forward. Not always appropriate. Let's start with the colors. Uh, Very subdued. We're really seeing the dark colors again. Dark gray, black, navy. And for spring and summer, it's not a season in menswear for brights. Now, in the past couple uh, spring and summers, we have seen brights, but uh, not this year. In suits, most of the big European names and the big American designers, I'm thinking uh, Dolce & Gabbana, Prada, Gucci, the high-end lines, took slim to the limit, meaning it's really body-hugging, thin rolled lapels. Now, normally in a suit, there's a little notch in the middle of the lapel. That's referred to as a notched lapel. This, now, part of this 1960s look is thin. They're thinner, and they're rolled, meaning there's no notch in them. And they are two-button jackets, and they're shorter. This is very much like the 1960s. This is a theatrical for our listeners who want to do that one fun piece with extra money for a night out on the town or for a fashion event. They are shorter jackets, Mike. Normally, for business wear, we make sure that our high knees are covered with our suit. 
And in these fashion-forward 1960s looks, they're shorter jackets. They cut right in the middle of the fanny or just above. And even the British 1960s looks came in with three-piece suits and a tailored vest. So I remember back in the 60s and the 70s that a three-piece suit look was big, wider pants, sort of a dandyish looking, very British. And so that's the other end of that 1960s uh, spectrum for suits. Casual jackets. Really, Mike, this is more for casual wear, which a lot of business is going to, especially since many of us are working at home. Short, zipped, and I'm calling them motocross jackets, and that is a very slim-fitting, right at the waist or just below, jacket, originally done for motocross motorcycle racers. They were originally done in leather as actual protection as they raced. But this is being done in nylon, yes, also in leather, but very sleek zipper front. The same look is being done in sweaters. So if you can imagine, Mike, what we've done for so many years, which is have kind of the blousey, you know, oversized, wear three or four layers underneath, large look, well, forget about that. Maybe just a T-shirt underneath, maybe a slim body-hugging shirt, cotton shirt, but for the most part, sleek and close-fitting is the mantra. And sport coats, please still do them, gentlemen, but uh, do them over tees, a T-shirt, which is kind of a cool look, or a uh, open-collar uh, dress shirt, preferably not buttoned down, which is a little slicker. And the nylon windbreakers, what we used to call windbreakers, are being done in that same body-hugging look, real close to the body, not elasticized at the bottom with a blouson thing going on. And slacks, and I know our listeners have heard me say flat front, flat front, flat front. Tight and very lean and narrow and cut to just above the ankle. So for women, too, when you have narrow, thin slacks, they are not to be as long as a regular pair of dress pants, which for gentlemen would break, as they say, a little bit in front and then would hang just to the top of the sole of the shoe. Instead, when you have the very exaggerated, narrow pants, they come right below the ankle to kind of give that whole boy's band look. Jeans. We're going to stay with that dark theme, dark blue, indigo, very Marlon Brando, James Dean-ish. You can even roll up the bottom if you want to. That's very James Dean-ish. And either narrow or the classic 501. And this is um, a, a little signature notation that I'll make on pieces that I think are good investments. And I think a classic 501 is one of them. And a 501 is a type of Levi jean. That is a really classic style, pretty straight cut, not too exaggerated, not too fashion forward, but as a result has remained a classic. So if you're going to go out and spend $50 on a pair of jeans, I'd suggest men and women, especially men, getting a pair of classic 501s. And our shirts. As I said, t-shirts are as big as ever, you know, body-hugging, not loose and blousey. Dress shirts, what is being shown under suits are two patterns and that uh, are really prominent. And that is a thick, we call that like a chalk stripe, meaning if you took a piece of chalk, let's say on the sidewalk, the width of that line that you drew approximates the uh, width of the stripe on the shirts these days. And that is either a black on a white shirt or a blue on a white shirt. 
we're going to stay away from the contrasting color. I don't know, Mike, have you ever heard of a, like stripe or pattern shirts with a solid white collar? Yes. That's very, very high-end, kind of very British, not really as popular anymore. So we don't really want to do that. We want to stick to either a solid color, white, light blue, or this black on white stripe or blue on white stripe. Casual wear, mod, going back again to the 60s, geometric patterns. If you're going to do a fun shirt and uh, wear that over a pair of khakis with a pair of sandals, the geometric pattern is really big, away more from the botanical prints. Close fitting, once again, tucked into slacks or out. And if you're going to tuck it into the slacks, always a good idea to have a narrow belt, depending on the belt loops, but probably with flat front slacks, you're going to have a narrower belt. Dress shoes, we're really seeing a lot of lace-up Oxfords. That is a lace-up shoe, leather sole, quite classic. They do them in a very traditional sort of wider toe. But um, what we're seeing for this spring and summer is a pointier, flatter shoe, primarily dark brown or black. And loafers, no tassels on our loafers that's been done no more tassels on our loafers if we have a pair that we just bought go for it continue to wear it casually but if we have a pair donate them give them away and get a good pair of loafers that do not have a lot of bells and whistles and no tassels pointier toes once again going back to that whole 60s thing and a thin profile, as I said, and sleek, not a very high shoe, meaning from the top of the shoe near the toe to the sole, they're sort of flat. Hair, once again, kind of 1960s. Not the soup bowl haircuts like the Beatles actually had, but a side part, longer on top, and brushed to the side. They're also showing a lot of product, and I have my hip male friends tell me about the product they use, and I really wasn't sure what they meant until I found out that product is a general term for all of the goop that is sold to put in one's hair. It can be a thicker product, it can be just something to slick it down, but with this 1960s look, there's a lot of product in one's hair. Accessories, sleek messenger bags, and these are worn, we call it bandolero style, it is over one shoulder and across the chest. It is very safe that way. With a thin bag, it hangs and it just lays right on the body. Not a season, probably hasn't been for a while, for chunky backpacks, chunky big bags. If you're going to do a big bag, pare down and uh, do something that is thin. Or if you are going to do a messenger bag, make sure that it does not have a lot of bells and whistles and keep it as dark of a color as possible because then you can go from day to evening. And I know our listeners carry a lot. So if you are going to go to a carry-all bag, choose even a nylon. It doesn't have to be real expensive, but a messenger bag. And the really hip way to wear it, especially for casual wear, is across your chest. Overall, Mike, for men, sleek, subdued 60s. And keep what you have that fits this profile and add a few pieces. I'm not in any way suggesting everybody suddenly look like um, Bobby Sherman and his singing group. But what I do think is that there are ways to be current, to have fun with it, 
to fit in with fashion and also not spend a bundle. We can add a pair of dark blue jeans, maybe get a uh, not terribly expensive windbreaker in that uh, narrow profile. But uh, that is spring and summer for our male listeners. Thanks, Lynn. But before you go, tell our listeners how they can participate in these broadcasts. One idea we have and we'd like to throw out is having you, the listener, men and women, write into me at mears1usa at yahoo.com with a image question. And we will then, in a segment shortly thereafter, answer that. And we will uh, not only email you back with a response, but uh, if you're question is chosen, we will uh, reply to it on the air. So we really do encourage you to um, be an active listener and to uh, let us know what you're thinking. We want to hear from you. You can also mail your questions for Lynn to the ACB office. Attention ACB reports. The mailing address is coming up. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. Connecting the blind community around the world, this is ACB Radio. 